Well, last week we were in uh, Romans, the first half of Romans 6, and I just really felt compelled to finish the chapters. So we're going to continue in Romans chapter 6 today, and this one's called No Turning Back. And uh, last week we talked about God's great work in our hearts through Jesus Christ that makes us dead to sin and alive to God, and therefore we can't continue in sin. And now Paul kind of switches the focus to a bit of words about, well, we can't go back to sin, and we can't segregate our lives where we have sin over here, but good over there. And so we're going to read here uh, verses 12 through 23, uh, but we're going to, the sermon will focus just on verses 15 through 18. So 12 through 23. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. What then are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now, Present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as I said, this whole chapter had great insights into this topic, but I want to focus really on 15 through 18 here. Really mostly just 16 here today. And, uh, but 15 here is an important question for us. It's, it's, it's the question this chapter answers. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. And there seems to be something in human nature that wants to turn back to sin. It, that once the, the victory it feels secure, there, there's this, this feeling to go back and dabble in the very things that used to enslave us. 
And we think to ourselves, we, we can fall into this thinking where, well, I'll just try a little bit. You know, it doesn't rule me because the, like, the amount is small, as if the amount makes a difference. Or we excuse it, as, as the verse talks about. Oh, well, God will forgive me, so I'm just going to go try this sin. You know, that's, we excuse it. And so the person, the man who, you know, used to be addicted to pornography thinks he can start looking at one more bad picture again. Or the recovering alcoholic thinks he can have one bad drink again. Or the drug addict thinks he can have just one high again. Or, instead of returning back to sin, we, we segregate our lives. We, we separate them. We think, okay, well, since God has the throne, I can... I can be free over, I can do this sin over here, but I'm, because I'm doing all this good over here. And we think we can segregate our lives. And Paul explains that for the Christian, there can be no turning back and no segregating of our lives. We're, we're a whole person in Christ Jesus. And so to show this, he, he shows verse 16 here. He says, do you not know? that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And so the, the first point of this verse is that everybody, everyone serves something. Everyone serves something. And uh, I was reminded here, not reminded, I was... But I found <laughs> there, there's a Bob Dylan song, Gotta Serve Somebody. And it says, you know, yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And of course, not everyone wants to accept this. Most don't want to accept this, but it is a fundamental truth. And uh, um I guess after this song, John Lennon made a parody of the song called Serve Yourself. He, he did not accept the tr this truth that everyone serves something. Um, but serve yourself is really just mean, it really just means serve selfishness. And when you say it like that, it doesn't sound quite so positive anymore when you say it that way. I'm serving selfishness. But the fundamental truth is, is our actions, our lives, our hearts, they serve something. Everything you do does serve something. And the one you choose to keep obeying is your master. And this verse, it speaks to our will and to our, our choices. Because every action you take is a choice. And th this isn't speaking about our reactions. You know, all of us have that time where we, we stub our toe and we let out a curse and that's not a good thing, but, but that's not what this is talking about here. This is talking about what, what, what is the choices you're pursuing. Because that choice is, is down a path that leads somewhere. All our choices serve something. And that choice, it might be serving an idea or a principle, a belief. It might be serving a virtue or a vice. Or your choice might just be serving your own whims and your own desires. Whatever you want in that hour of the day. Um, but even disobedience is two-sided. Like every disobedience is a obedience to something else. And, and we think about this, think about the Ten Commandments. And just look at a couple of them here. Thou shalt not kill. Okay? Mur murder doesn't happen by accident. 
You know, accidental deaths, that's, that is manslaughter. Where he's talking about here is pursuing a course of actions that lead to murder. And if you're pursuing that, then you are committing yourself to vengeance or you're committing yourself to hatred. And if you are pursuing those actions for that thing, then it has become your master. Or consider, thou shalt not commit adultery. And God's word applies this to all sexual relations outside of the marriage between one man and one woman. So sexual relationship before marriage or adultery or pursuing any sort of deviant sexual relationship, all of those are contained under this command, thou shalt not commit adultery. And those things obviously don't just happen. They are pursued. The person chooses to follow them and pursue them to serve them. They have become a master of sorts. Or think about thou shalt not steal. I mean, this one's pretty obvious to us, but stealing and cheating or, or using any sort of unfair thing to deprive your neighbor of his, of his goods and what he has, that is pursuing, that is, you're, you're enslaving yourself to greed. Greed has become your master. You're pursuing those actions in service to greed. And everyone serves something. So whether good or bad, your actions are serving something. And this is why Paul wrote in, in verses 12 through 14, don't let sin reign in you. Because Jesus died to kick sin off the throne of your heart. So don't give it authority in your life. Because if you are obeying it, then you are listening to its authority. You're giving it a throne. And he's also saying, don't give your members to it either. And this is a, a way in which we kind of segregate our lives. When we think, well, since God has the throne, sometimes we can fall into this fallen thinking. Well, he has the throne, so I can contract out my hands to sin, as if that, you know, by, or I can contract out my eyes, or contract out my ears, or my tongue, because when you're saying something that should not be said, you're, it's like you're contracting out your, your tongue into the service of evil, into the service of sin, and in one commentary I read compared this to a kingdom with many castles, and of course there's one throne over the whole kingdom, but when we let sin when we can go back to a sin, or we let sin have a part of our life, that's like giving sin one of those castles in the kingdom. But sin's not neutral. It's not going to just sit in that one castle. It's going to try to take over other castles because it wants to take it all over to take back the throne of your life. So whatever you, you let be used for sin will become an instrument for sin and for its cause. And sin entraps us. It says, hey, hey, just do this little thing. What's the harm? But then it enslaves us into its service. And Paul here is talking primarily to Christians, to, to people who have been rescued by God from the tyranny of sin, which is all of us. <laughs> all of us were under sin's tyranny. And 
but sin is trying to capture you again. Trying, sin is trying to take back parts of your life. And now the unsaved, they're, they're more like, like the members of a cult happily drinking the Kool-Aid, unaware of the lies that they are obeying because sin is on the throne. And so sin's not trying to take back anything. Sin's on the throne of the unsaved. But in Christians, sin is trying to take back those castles, hoping to retake the throne of your heart. And it's, it's working that strategy, be, strategy because what you obey has a real consequence on your heart. Every act is obeying something. And so there, there can be no turning back to sin, no segregating of our lives, because all these things have real consequences in our hearts. God is on the throne of your heart, and you can't serve two masters. Uh, verse 16 also asks us, what fruit will you get? What fruit will you get? And the second half of verse 16 says this, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So what you serve, it, it leads somewhere. It's going somewhere. It's heading towards certain results, results both in this life and in your eternal life. And, and sin here is presented not as a, as a person, it's presented as a power, a force, a domain. And the opposite of sin is obedience. And the final outcome that sin leads to is death. And the rest of the chapter, verses 19 through 23, they really spell out this, this road to death. Because to obey sin, well, it makes you a slave to impurity and to lawlessness that, that just builds upon more and more lawlessness. And this escalating lawlessness finally ends in death. And not just death of the body, but eternal death. On the other hand, the way of obedience leads to righteousness. Now, why doesn't it say leads to life? Because the other one led to death, so why doesn't this one lead to life? Well, because life has already been given you in Jesus Christ. You're all, you are already alive to God in him. So the way of obedience can't give you what you already have, but it can strengthen you. It can help you to grow in the righteousness you already have in Jesus. And we can kind of think of this like our bodily health. We all know there are, there are things that weaken the body and things that strengthen the body. And, you know, sickness and poison lead to death. But diet and exercise don't lead to life because you're already alive. Diet and exercise, those lead to, to health and to strength. And if something is dead, diet and exercise cannot make it alive, right? <laughs> when you're, no, no matter how much diet and exercise you give, that dead thing, it's not going to come to life. But if something is alive, then diet and exercise can help it grow in strength and health. And likewise, the way of obedience leads to righteousness. And here Paul's talking about not, not your salvation, but your sanctification. Becoming more like God in your thoughts, words, and deeds. 
Because if you are alive to him and he is on the throne of your heart and you are obeying him, then you will become more like him. And that, that living seed he has planted in your heart will bear fruit in your spirit and in your actions. And verses 17 through 23, they spell out this growth in righteousness for us. And because Jesus has made us alive to God, we have become obedient from the heart, a heartfelt, willing obedience. We obey because we love him. And we, so we present ourselves to him. We present our, our members, our arms and legs, our, our emotions, our will, our choices. We present our members as slaves of righteousness leading to sanctification. And so just as sin leads to escalating lawlessness, Obedience leads to ongoing sanctification. So having become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And again, eternal life isn't achieved by you working harder on your sanctification. It is given to you by God in Jesus Christ. Sanctification is, is becoming more what you already are in Jesus Christ. And eternal life, that's becoming fully what you are in Jesus Christ. So, it, so it's the ultimate fruit of sanctification. And verse 23 makes it, it, your choices so clear. What is the fruit Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So remember, sin has been presented here as, as a force that tries to rule our hearts and demands obedience from its slaves. And uh, slaves don't earn wages, right? They don't get paid. <laughs> it's the nature of enslavement. So the emphasis here is not on, on the fact that your sins have earned the penalty of death, although that is, that is very true. The point here is what kind of employer is sin? What wages does sin pay? Oh, the wages of sin is death. That's the only thing sin has to pay you with is a bi-monthly payment of penalties and a retirement plan of death and destruction. That's what sin has to pay you. But, but the free gift of God, how different God is. The fruit he offers is not a wage, not a penalty, it is a gift. The free gift of God is, is totally separate from it, what you have done. It's all on what Jesus has done. And he gives it graciously, freely. He gives us eternal life in Jesus Christ. And it's only after he has given us the gift that we can do anything at all in service to his kingdom. And so thinking about what we do and the fruit they bear, I'm, I'm kind of reminded here of thinking about jobs and, and the way we choose our jobs and the reasons we choose our jobs. And, and people choose their jobs for, for many reasons. 
uh, for many of us, it, it, you know, it, it's, sometimes it's just a means to get enough money to live off of. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have this great freedom in our country to pursue a vocation based on the kind of work you want to do or based on the, the type of impact you want to make in society. And that's a great freedom. And, and there are so many th good things that you are doing or that you can do. And, and they're good for you to do. And they make your neighbor's life better. And so whether you're, you're serving in the medical field or operating a supply chain for our businesses or fixing our houses or in so many other services, these things bear more fruit than just money. People grow into the role. I'm, I'm really hoping that I continue to grow into my role as pastor. Um, we think about teachers, though. <clears throat> they grow not just in their, their knowledge of teaching methodology. They grow in their heart to teach. Or we think of the technician. He, he grows both in his technical expertise, but hopefully he's also growing in that Mr. Fix-It can-do attitude. And, and those things, both the knowledge and the, the attitude, are things that make things better for everyone else. And likewise, being, being a criminal bears more fruit than, than just money. You know, okay, a, a drug dealer probably also will be making enough money to live off of. But the kind of work shapes him and shapes his community. I'm, I'm kind of loath to even call it work, but, but the kind of activity shapes him. He will become more lawless, more ruthless, more vicious. The fruit is corruption, destruction, and death. There, there is a fruit in the nature of the work, both while you do it and after it is done. And so we come back to sin, considering the nature of the action and the fruit that comes after it. Can we turn back to sin? Or can we segregate our lives, sin over here, but righteousness over here? And Paul says, no, why would you do that? The fruit of sin is, is just escalating our anarchy that leads to death. That's all it can pay you. But the fruit of obedience is, is righteousness that leads to, that grows into more and more righteousness and, and arrives at eternal life in Jesus Christ. And, and so it, the fruit is clear. It couldn't be simpler or plainer. And Paul, Paul also wants us to know that the power to say no to sin and to obey God comes from Jesus Christ. That power is not in us. If it was us, up to us to choose between the two, we wouldn't do very well. We don't do very well. To serve God, we must rely on his grace. We must rely on his grace for us in Jesus Christ. Verses 17 through 18. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. 
So we give all thanks and praise to God because he has done this work for us by his grace. He has done this work in us, in our hearts, with his son Jesus. Because once all of us were enslaved to sin's power, but now your heart is set free to willingly serve out of love. We have been set free from sin. We, and we have God's promise to us in verse 14. Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. That is a promise. And it's a promise based on his grace, the work he does in your heart through Jesus Christ. And that promise means you can always come to the Father to confess your sin and to receive forgiveness for Jesus' sake because you are under grace. And in that forgiveness, there is cleansing from sin. There is power against temptation. In that forgiveness, sin is put to death and you are made alive to God. And as we said, everyone serves someone. But, but the grace of God frees us from the tyranny of sin and it brings you into service to righteousness. It was God's grace in Jesus Christ that set you free, that did that freeing from the tyranny. And it's also his grace in Jesus Christ that keeps you growing in sanctification. His grace sets us free from failure, free from the fear of failure. We don't have to fear that if we fail and fall back into sin, that, that sin's going to retake the throne. Or that if we fail, we're going we're gonna to lose our salvation because that salvation, your justification, is secure in Christ Jesus. Condemnation cannot keep you from God because you are under grace in Christ Jesus. And because you are under grace, your heart is set free to serve him out of love. And under grace, Jesus, he commits you over to a standard of teaching, to his standard of teaching. He hands you over to it. You're under, you're, that's what you're under. And that, that standard of teaching there is a, is a way of life, a way of, of thinking and doing. It's a way of being. And it, it is the righteousness of God that, that is taught throughout all of Scripture but also a righteousness that was manifested to us in Jesus Christ, both, in, both demonstrated for us in, in how he lived, but just also shown in his person, in his existence and who he was. And so now in Jesus, with Jesus, we are happy slaves of his righteousness. We are growing in sanctification with Jesus. God gives you that delight of joining in his righteous work, but you also have joy from him, knowing that he delights in you. He delights in your every work because you are under grace. You are with Christ Jesus. But we also serve acutely aware that we are here only by his grace. We were once slaves of sin, and, and when everything we did in service to sin earned the death penalty. So we, we don't belong here in service to God. It was by grace that he freed us and brought us into his service. So grace is not an 
alibi to, to go back to sin. It is a power against slavery to sin. And by grace, we can now, we can think differently about sin. And we, we can choose to resist it. By grace, we can willingly obey God from the heart. We can present ourselves to Him. God doesn't conscript us. He doesn't draft us into His service. He frees us and He calls us. We don't serve in order to get the prize. We serve out of, of gratitude because He has already given us eternal life in His Son, Jesus Christ. And because we have learned to trust in His grace, we've learned to trust that He does love us, that He is at work in us, and that all His ways are truly good. And therefore, we can freely give Him all of our lives from the heart. You can freely give God all your life, every part of your life from the heart because of what he's done for you in Christ Jesus. And by his grace, you have been made righteous. And now we have the privilege of being instruments for his righteousness. And therefore, as verse 13 says, what, what do we do with, to this great news, to, this, to these great truths? Well, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Amen. Please pray with me. God, we, we thank you for this truth from your word. Um, it's just reminds us of the truth about sin and the tyranny of sin and that all our lives, all our actions, every part of our life is, is going to serve something. Um, but your grace has, has changed the course of our lives, has changed the fruit of our lives. You have given us eternal life in your Son, Jesus Christ. You have given us sanctification in this life through your Son, and you call us to, to walk with you, to walk in your righteousness, to walk in all that is good. And to turn away from all that enslaved us and all that led to death. And pray that you would work on our hearts, turn our hearts to call upon your name. And if anyone here doesn't know you, I pray that, and, and, and they're feeling that the, the tyranny and the power of sin upon their hearts, I pray that they would call upon your name call upon Jesus Christ to save them from sin, to forgive them, to set them free so that they can walk in the life of God, that they can walk in your righteousness and be free and forgiven. And I pray that you would give us joy from your spirit to follow and walk after you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.